Do you seek the freedom to pursue greater meaning and purpose in your life? Is there something that you're passionate about that you'd like to support by giving time, talent, or money? Do you seek a level of financial freedom to live an ideal life as you uniquely define it? Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to helping you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. My name is Mike Bernard, and I am your host. Like Jeff, I'm also a certified financial planner licensee. This show is all about helping you discover what matters most and then helping you get your actions and resources in alignment with your goals. We combine excellence and wealth management with the pursuit of meaning and purpose in your life. Jeff Bernier is the founder, president, and chief investment officer of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, a wealth management firm in Alpharetta, Georgia, a suburb in the greater Atlanta area. Hello, Mike. Uh, so happy to be with you today, and hope all is well with you and, and your team and your and your your kiddos. Oh, it's uh, middle of summer, so yeah, we we love it. School yeah. just got out. Absolutely, all is well. Okay, awesome, awesome. You know, I would love to start today like we do sometimes, which is um, starting gratitude. So, tell me one thing that you're grateful for. I I would say the weather. My goodness, I don't know how you guys had it down south, but up here, January, February. It got cold. Oh, Jeff. did it? It got yeah. it got real cold. So we. I've are heard thankful. that happens up here. There's this there's this yellow ball in the sky again uh, down uh, up here in South Bend. So I'm I'm grateful it's summer. Oh, very cool, very cool. Um, well, you know I have I have a lot to be grateful for. Um, and um, but right now I'd I'd say I'm grateful for the amazing technological and medical advances that have been made over the last 100 years and it made our lives so much better. Okay, so that's. Uh, can I can I come up with a better answer? For, <laughs> that would surprise me a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so why why did you pick that item today? Well, you know, of course I'm thankful for the really things that matter most: faith, family, health, all those things. But lately, I've been reading some things that make me realize just really how fortunate we are to live at this particular point in history. And you would not have gotten that from watching the news last night. Of course not. Of course that is true. And, And of course there are many people who are hurting and facing some really difficult circumstances. But the world as a whole has improved and continues to improve in so many ways. So this is beginning to sound like <laughs> a show topic. Jeff. Yeah, well, you know how it is with me, Mike. My, my brain just starts going weird places, and next thing you know, we're we're talking about something, and and um, and it, it is a show topic. So recently, I've been I've been reading a book that reminds me how things are better for most people, uh, and and certainly better than most people think they are. So today I thought we'd discuss some of the ideas or information in the book because I do think it can help people appreciate uh, our blessings a bit more. And I also think some of the ideas may be useful for investors um, as we try to recognize uh, behavioral biases and investment implications about the global economic opportunity in the next 50 years or so. All right, I'm in. Tell me about the book. Well, the name of the book is Factfulness. The 10 Reasons We're Wrong About the World and Why Things Are Better Than You Think by Hans Rosling. 
Um, Bill Gates called this book one of the most important books he's ever read and an indispensable guide to thinking clearly about the world. And so that's a pretty hmm. that's a pretty big endorsement so, from, from so Mr. Gates. How do I know that that name, Hans Rosling? Well, he became sort of a, a, a YouTube sensation a few years ago. Um, so you may have seen him on YouTube or um, or one of his popular TED Talks. Um, back in 2010, he created a, a very popular video called 200 Countries, 200 Years, 4 Minutes, The Joy of Stats. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, and I just I just researched for it, and it's still readily available. So I would really encourage our listeners to search for this on the Internet and, and take a look at it. It's called 200 Countries, 200 Years, 4 Minutes, The Joy of Stats. And again, this is Hans, H-A-N-S, Rosling, R-O-S, L-I-N-G. All right. So, so who is he? Tell us a little bit more about well, him. Well, he, he was a, a Swedish physician, academic, statistician, obviously done a lot of public speaking, these TED Talks and things like that. Uh, he was a professor of international health uh, at an institute in, in Sweden and was the co-founder and chairman of something called the Gapminder Foundation. Um, now, he tragically died back in 2017 from, from pancreatic, can- uh, pancreatic cancer. Oh, that's awful. So, yeah. okay, so so what's the big idea? Well, I think there's two. There's probably more than two now that I think about this, but there's two that I'll highlight uh, big ideas. The first one is the world has gotten better and continues to improve for most people. What are the refreshing contrast to what you hear, again, every day in social media or on the news. Without, yeah. without question. And number two, we must look beyond today's headlines and news stories and focus on facts and data. And this second point is really hammered in the book uh, because we are drawn to what he calls dramatic stories. And like me, he is a critic of much of media's sensationalizing small extreme outcomes. <laughs> so, yes, we've talked a little bit about the media not being really the investor's friend. I get it. Yeah, and, and I have to be careful. I mean, I, you know, obviously I would love to collaborate with the media and, and be a resource to the media, but and, and maybe I paint too broad a brush sometimes regarding the financial media in particular. I mean, they do have a function to play. They are for-profit enterprises, so I respect that they, you know, they have to sell advertising to stay in business. Uh, but I do have a passion for having investors invest rationally, and I think a large part of what Dr. Rosling is trying to get people to do in the book is to look past the sensational headlines and to study the data. It sounds a lot like System 1 and System 2 from Thinking Fast and Slow with Dr. Kahneman that he writes about, right? Yeah, that, absolutely. So uh, Dr. Daniel Kahneman uh, is a famous behavioral economist uh, who studies investor behavior and the systematic behavioral st- mistakes that we make. Um, he won a Nobel Prize in economics many years ago, wrote the book that you quoted, Thinking Fast and Slow, where he talks about uh, System 1 uh, is our emotional brain. And system two is our rational analytical brain, and that a good investor must use system two. We need to use our rational analytical brain to be a good investor. Well, in this book, uh, the good Dr. Rosling is just trying to get us to use system two, the rational brain, and look at the data and don't get too wrapped up in the sensational headlines that may lead to incorrect interpretations. And uh, these dramatic negative news stories can can also really make you depressed. (laughs) Yes, that's true. So, but even as the world has gotten better, 
Are we to ignore the challenges that people face, such as natural disasters, sickness, and dangers, um, spreading viruses like Ebola, all that sort of stuff? Well, a- absolutely not. I mean, we should obviously work diligently to help those that are suffering. But the problem is, one of the reasons people are so mistaken about the real dangers or how much better things have gotten are the political agendas mm. uh, that, that are using um, small data or organizations that need funding uh, that can create some really scary stories to push to push an agenda to get to get funding and so one of the main points of the book is that with limited resources we must be really strategic in how to allocate these limited resources so that they can benefit the most the most people and so it just it just sounds like good stewardship to me uh, so I assume part of the problem might be education as well, though. Yeah, maybe. But according to the author, uh, I mean, Nobel laureates, medical research, uh, researchers, and and many other don't also, you know, they don't always know the relative statistics regarding global health and wealth. So it may not just be a question of intelligence. It, mm-hmm. it seems every group that he surveys find the world more frightening, more violent, and more hopeless, in short, more dramatic than it, than it really is. And so for most people in the Western world, uh, you know, what they see in the media and carry around in their head is that things are bad and it feels like they're getting, getting worse, right? I mean, the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer and the number of poor just keep growing and we'll soon run out of resources unless we do something dramatic. But the facts show that step by step, year by year, the world is improving, not on every single measure or every single year, but as a rule, the, the things are improving. And so the world does face many challenges, and, but we have made tremendous pro, uh, progress. So the fact-based worldview is what he's touting here as opposed to the dramatic, sensational worldview. Mm-hmm. So the book is full of this data on these improvements? Y- yes, it, it is, and, and a lot more. Um, and it's full of interesting and encouraging data, but it's also full of history. And I find that by studying history, I do realize how good we have it. Mm. Um, you know, he calls it data therapy to offset some of the negative noise. It can be a source of mental peace as the world is not as dramatic as it, as it often seems. Now, I do warn listeners whose personality or ego require them to be negative and look at the dark side all the time, not to read the book uh, or look at the data. It, you know, it, can make you more, it can make you more positive and less stressed, and it may make you more hopeful. It could just violate your, your ego or personality or your 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 desire to look on the dark side yeah that's i appreciate that disclaimer for everyone out there so if it's (laughs) if it's data and history and more what's what's the more well as i mentioned um our the more is our behavioral biases and mistakes and a recognition that a that a long-term investor may want to be a bit more intentional about capturing the incredible economic opportunities in in what we currently term the emerging world Okay, so maybe we should cite some of the facts from the book regarding the world. Yeah, I think I think that would be be great. And again, uh, you know, some of this can just be dry data, so um, it, you know, maybe this doesn't come off great on mm. on audio. But I do encourage our audience again to go back to that 2010 video, 200 countries, 200 years, four minutes. I think that'll be helpful. It does show the world on a health and wealth scale. Um, And what you'll see is that most of the world has gotten more wealthy and more healthy. 
Another great tool is, I mentioned he founded uh, a foundation called Gapminder. So if you go to gapminder.org, you can see this data, and you can see all kind of interactive charts where you can see over time changes in the data. In particular, the health and wealth tool is really, really fascinating. For instance, what you'll see in 1954, you know, the, the year today's 65-year-old was born, about the only countries in the health and wealth camp was the United States and many European countries. You'll see China, India, almost all the Asian and Africa countries in the absolute lowest sector in this lower health and wealth scale. And of course, most notably China and India because they're huge populations. But what you'll notice over the last 65 years is this tremendous economic and health improvement of the rest of the world. It's also notable to me that as people become more free and live in more democratic societies, they, they tend to, to, to move up this scale. Mm. And um, so the book does show 16 bad things that are decreasing and 16 good things that are, that are improving. And without getting too much in the minutiae, I'll just quote a couple sure. just as examples, and then I'll encourage the audience to check out the book or check out Gapminder. So for instance, in 1900, in the world's population, about 40% of the children in the world didn't make it to their fifth, birth, uh, fifth birthday. Oh my Isn't goodness. that amazing? Wow. In, in, as recently as the 1900. Today, less than 4% don't make it to their, wow. fifth, to their fifth birthday. Uh, you, you, you know, um, we, we have, um, you, you know, you, you have um, plane crashes are obviously a fear that we all face. Well, um, in 1940, you had about 2,100 crashes per 10 billion traveler miles, 2,100. From 2012 to 16, there was one. Wow. Um, per 10 billion yeah, traveling wow. miles. So air travel is just, uh, you know, death from disasters. You know, in, in, in 1930s, um, there were, um, you know, um, about 971, uh, 971,000 deaths from natural disasters. Okay. Uh, in 2010 to 2016, that five-year period, there was about 72,000. Wow. And so as we've gotten healthier and wealthier, you know, we have better building standards and we understand how to build levees. And, you know, so, you know, so these are just, you know, these are small things. We've eradicated smallpox. You know, in the 1850s, um, you, you, you know, we had just a, a, a tons of smallpox. That's gone. I mean, right. since 1979, there's not been a single case of smallpox. Hmm. Um, according um, to the studies, in just as recently as 1970, uh, 28% of the world's population was, quote, undernourished. Today, that's still about 11%. But it's still but getting look, better, significantly better. And you look at the number of people because populations have grown, right. but the percentages have gone have gone down. So those just those are some examples. And again, there's there's 16. Mm. Um, there, there's some things that have increased. One I thought was interesting. Um, there were over 2.5 million scholarly articles written by um, qualified academics on science. In 2016, 
2.5 million articles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even as recently as 100 years ago, there was about 100. Wow, yeah. You know, written in a, in a year. So more, you know, more literacy. Um, you know, in the 1800s, less than 10% of the people could read. Today, it's 86% of the world's population can read. Wow. And, you know, and 14 sounds like a big number as we sit here in what he calls the level four wealthy world yeah but again you you look at the demographics of that and and so they're just just tons of these i could i could go on forever about some of these advances of things that have gotten better and and things that have that have um that are are bad that have gone gone down Hmm. but uh, but you don't you don't hear about them well again i i mentioned this is such a refreshing contrast to what you what you see every day in social media what you hear on the news and with that evidence there why do so many people think the world is getting worse? Well, in in fact, in the book, in factfulness, he states ten right reasons. Uh, some are which are obvious; others, others not not so much. Um, and and we can look at these in, in a moment, perhaps. But you know, one of them is the negativity instinct, and that one's kind of obvious. I mean, reporting on thousands of safe flights just isn't news right you know the uh, uh, you know flight 200 took off from boston today and landed without incident in la yeah that's not exactly compelling <laughs> that's tv news headline worthy okay what are some of the other reasons well a few of the problems with the way the data is presented or the way that we react instinctively to the data are are the problems so uh, here here are a few of the who are the here are a few of the psychological instinctive challenges. The, fir- the first one is called the gap instinct. In, in all groups of people, there are some at the top and some at the bottom. And when you compare the extreme, it seems really, really unfair. But the reality is that most people are in the middle and the extremes are, are really, really small. And most people leave in the middle and the middle for most people has improved. But again, uh, it's a lot better news story to talk about, you know, the richest 1% and compare them to the poorest, you know, 10% or so. The second one I just talked about, the negativity instinct, you know, good news is not news and gradual improvement is not news. And so just because we have more news does not necessarily mean we have more suffering. Uh, The next one that he talks about is something called, that he called the, the straight line instinct. You know, we, we tend to extrapolate straight line growth when in reality trends don't follow straight lines. So just as it would be silly to expect my grandson to grow as much over the rest of his life as he's grown in three months, I mean, if, if we just took his straight line growth over three months, by the time he's five, he'd be over seven feet tall. <laughs> and so the trends are the same way. They don't move in a straight line. Uh, there's a fear instinct. You know, we filter out things that, we're not, that, that aren't scary to us. Mm. But things that are scary, even if they're extreme and low probability, like plane crashes or shark attacks, we tend to overestimate because it's so dramatic and so scary to us. So we tend to make really bad judgments also when we're, when we're afraid. And I think that has certainly investment implications here uh, and why System 2 is so important because when we're fearful, we, we do make bad decisions. And the last one I'll just point out is something that he calls the size instinct. You know, big numbers of bad things can sound just, you know, just terrible, but numbers by themselves can can be misleading. Hmm. Um, you know, we were just talking about that. Yeah. Um, so you should look for comparisons or divide 
the number by the opportunity set and look for rates per person, not just the raw number. So rates are certainly more meaningful as they normalize the size of the group. And, you know, um, cognitively, we don't do that. We take shortcuts. We hear a big number and, wow, that's scary. And then we it. But then if you take it and divide it by the population or yeah. by some other factor that says, what is the size of the opportunity set? And then look at the trend. Um, that's where System 2 is coming in. In this book, I mean, there's just a lot of great information and and sheds an unbiased view on lots of these things, just as, as you're explaining this, Jeff. That's, that's fascinating. So, okay, so what are the final takeaways here? Yeah, well, I've got three. Um, the first one, it's, as I mentioned before, it's a, it's a great time to be alive, and the world is getting better for most people, and we should be... Um, what I call rational optimist. You know, uh, there was a book written several years ago called The Rational Optimist, and I think if you study the data, there's reasons to be optimistic. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Number two, don't make rash judgments without looking at the full data. Become a system two thinker. Try to take a gap between receiving the information and process what it really means, and also consider the source because uh, they, you know, they may have an agenda. Mm-hmm. And then number three, and and finally something we didn't we didn't talk much about, and, and we'll probably do a show on at some point. But when you look at the growth in the middle class, in particular, this massive growth to come in these less developed economies, you know, it's possible that we should rethink how we allocate long term investment capital to capture this economic growth. Oh, absolutely, Good, great, great point, great point. I, I would encourage also, I mean, obviously we hit the highlights there and really just to send the message, but if you're if you're interested in getting more of the details, I mean, check out Factfulness, the book, for one, and, and then two, check out gapminer.org for more information as well. And listen, while I'm sending you on uh, the pursuit of more information, if you wanna catch any previous episodes of the Money and Meaning Show, just go ahead and find us on iTunes, rate the show, uh, give us give us a five rating if you would please, and share it with friends. And also, Jeff uh, kicks out blogs every once in a while, and I would encourage you to go out and check out that content as well. You can find that at tandemgrowth.com forward slash perspectives. That's all for this episode of the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. All right, take care. Thank you for listening to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier a show dedicated to help you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jeff or Mike or comments on the show, feel free to reach out to us at moneyandmeaning at tandemgrowth.com or you can find us on the web at www.tandemgrowth.com. Jeff Bernier is the President and Chief Investment Officer at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. This show is a production of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC. All information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as specific financial, legal, or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Listeners should not rely on the content of this podcast as the basis for any investment decisions. A professional advisor should be consulted, and or independent due diligence should be conducted before implementing anything discussed in this show. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not guarantee its accuracy, and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information prepared by any unaffiliated third party, such as guests on the podcast, and takes no responsibility for the same. 